And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21. We'll read through chapter 19, verse 12. Allow me a brief commentary before we begin the actual reading of Scripture. We'll read about the rabbis uh, today. They taught that people should forgive those who offend them, but only three times. Peter, trying to be, you know, especially generous, asked Jesus if, you know, seven, the perfect number, was enough times to forgive someone. But Jesus answered, seventy times seven, meaning that we shouldn't even keep track of how many times we forgive someone. We should always forgive those who are truly repentant, no matter how many times they ask. Now, in Bible times, serious consequences awaited those who could not pay their debts. A person lending money could seize the borrower who couldn't pay and force him and or his family to work until the debt was paid. The debtor could also be thrown into prison, or his family could be sold into slavery to help pay off the debt. It was hoped that the debtor, while in prison, would sell off his land holdings or that relatives would pay the debt. If not, the debtor could remain in prison for life. We'll also read here today that John had been put into prison and killed, at least in part, for his public opinions on marriage and divorce. So the Pharisees hoped to trap Jesus too. They were trying to trick Jesus by having him choose sides in a theological controversy. Two schools of thought represented two opposing views of divorce. One group supported divorce for almost any reason. The other believed that divorce could be allowed only for marital unfaithfulness and the conflict hinged on how each group interpreted Deuteronomy chapter 24. In his answer, however, Jesus focused on marriage rather than divorce. He pointed out that God intended marriage to be permanent, and then he gave four reasons for the importance of marriage. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. January 28th, the New Testament, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through chapter 19, verse 12. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? 
Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female, and he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. In describing the Lord as a shepherd, David wrote out of his own experience because he had spent his early years caring for sheep. Sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for provision and guidance and protection. The New Testament calls Jesus the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, and uh, the Great Shepherd of the people. As the Lord is the Good Shepherd, so we are His sheep, not frightened passive animals, but obedient followers, wise enough to follow one who will lead us into the right places and in right ways. You know, when we allow God, our Shepherd, to guide us, we have contentment when we choose to sin and go our own way, however. We cannot blame God for the environment we create for ourselves. Our shepherd knows the you know, green meadows and peaceful streams that will restore us. We'll reach these places only by following him obediently. Rebelling against the shepherd's leading is actually rebelling against our own best interests. This is a good thing to remember next time we're tempted to go our own way rather than the shepherd's way. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Proverbs chapter 5 
verses 22 and 23. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. What's up? This is Matt Beam. Just want to give a shout out and affirmation to Dan Leonard. Big D, man, it's uh, been an honor to, to serve with you and get to know you the past couple months, man. I've seen a tremendous amount of growth in you. Um, seeing you persevere and push through tough times and hard moments that would have had a lesser man crumble and fall to his knees. And, you know, it's incredible to watch you grow and, and really see you come outside of your comfort zone. And that helps you grow. And, and as you're growing, man, you're really taking people outside of their comfort zone and challenging them with certain thoughts and certain things, man. And it's really helping them grow. So I'm just really proud of you, man. And I'm excited to see what the Lord has for you. Hey, guys. It's uh, Nick Bailey, phasing up to phase three today. Uh, just want to say that, you know, when I, when I came in, I was, I was a mess. I had no hope. I had no relationship with God, really. Um, I just had no idea where I wanted my life to go. But uh, since I've been here, you know, I've grown tremendously. I've gained uh, lifelong friendships. You know, I've really uh, seek the Lord, and I've just I've grown in so many ways. And I would just say that I have hope today. You know, I have a a, a plan for my future, and I can say that you know I like who I am today, uh, and. I would just say that, you know, I, I just really encourage everybody uh, in phase one, man, you know, uh, this this journey, you know, it's not easy, but it definitely uh, gets a lot better and easier. You know, just keep seeking the Lord, and uh, I love all you guys. Well, the Bible tells us about a man who ruled Babylon and all its land Around the city he built a wall And declared that Babylon would never fall He had concubines and wives He called his Babylon paradise On his throne he drank and ate But for Belshazzar it was getting late For he was weighed in the balance And found wanting His kingdom was divided Couldn't stand he was weighed in the balance and found wanting His houses were built upon the sand Well, the people feasted and drank their wine And praised the false gods of his time All holy things they scorned and mocked But suddenly all their mocking stopped For on the wall there appeared a hand Nothing else, there was no man And but the hand began to write And Belshazzar couldn't hide his pride For he was weighed in the balance And found wanting His kingdom was divided, couldn't stand He was weighed in the balance And found wanting His houses were built upon the sand i 
understand what was written by the mystic hand. Belshazzar tried but couldn't find a man who could give him peace of mind. But Daniel the prophet, a man of God, he saw the writing on the wall in blood. Belshazzar asked him what it said, and Daniel turned to the wall and read. My friend, you're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided, it can't stand. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your houses are built upon the sand. Good morning, Church of the Living God. I want to look this morning at Matthew's Gospel, the 7th chapter, the 21st through the 23rd verses. These are Jesus' words, and if you've got a red letter edition, they'll be printed in uh, red. Jesus is just finishing uh, his Sermon on the Mount as we recognize it. It's about a 9 or 10 minute sermon where he guides humanity as only God can guide humanity. Jesus is addressing uh, the work of deception in these verses of scripture. The bad thing about deception is it's deceiving. We think we're right or all right, but actually we're wrong. Jesus is warning us in these verses of scripture. In Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then he will say, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let me ask you a question here. What does it mean to claim Jesus as Lord? By definition, Lord describes one possessing authority and power and control. In our culture, in our society, authority is diminished. There's no respect of authority in our homes or in the government. Power is corrupted to personal gain instead of what's best for society. Control is redefined for selfish gratification. The Word of God describes Jesus as the head of the church. He is the ruler of all creation. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Yet society diminishes his authority. It dismisses his power and revolts against his control. Even today's Christian church compromises these standards. We recognize Jesus as Savior, but we dismiss him as Lord. With a small amount of humility and honesty, we recognize that our relationship with the one that created us is broken. We realize that our eternal existence would be separated from God. God's will is that none should perish, but all should have eternal life, John 3.16 tells us. God provided us with a plan, his will. We call it salvation. He's provided us a perpetuation for our sins, the scripture says. It's payment in full for a debt that we can't possibly pay. He's provided reconciliation for our broken relationship with the Father. He's provided a Savior who suffered and died and overcame death and hell and resurrected from the grave. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. 
He is our mediator that sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But is he Lord? Charles Stanley wrote, The realm of Christ's reign covers everything that happens in heaven and on earth. No one, not even those who deny his existence, can be free of his rule or be outside of his sphere of authority. Although Satan tries to convince us that liberty is found in doing what we want, true freedom is acquired only through submission to Christ's loving lordship. What does the lordship of Jesus Christ look like in the life of a Christian? It's got to look like change. It's got to be transformation. How does change and transformation happen in the life of a Christian today? It comes by allowing God's Holy Spirit, the empowerment from God to accomplish what He created us to do. By allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, to mold us and shape us, to transform us, to change us. It comes by our sincere effort to know God, reading His Word, talking to Him in prayer, developing a relationship with the One that created us. The Apostle Paul strongly urges the disciples of Christ, Christian people. He urges them in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Grace is not an excuse to keep us from following Christ. Grace is a means that enables us to follow Christ. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, step over the line. Make the decision. Don't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. Commit to the Lord. Live by faith. Redeem your past. Make sense of your present. Secure your future. Don't negotiate at the table of the enemy. Don't meander in the maze of mediocrity. Be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God will bless you and keep you all the days of your life. Amen. God bless you today, gentlemen. Be a reflection of God's glory. Many a dream has died Like a tree planted by the water We never will run dry So living water flowing through God, we thirst for more of you Fill our hearts and flood our souls With one desire just to know you and to make you known We lift your name on high Shine like the sun, make darkness run and hide We know we will 
father's heart Into the world we're reaching out To show them who you are So living water flowing through God we thirst for more of you Fill our hearts and flood our souls With one desire Just to Shine light.